another edition of A Rabbi, a Priest, and a Minister Walk Into a Radio Station. I'm Dr. Pandora Carlucci, and I'm here this morning with Jay Horgan. Good morning, Jay. How are you doing? I am doing great, Pandora. Always a pleasure to be with you and to see you. Things are going well. We're heading into fall, or we may already be there based on some of the weather we've had so far. But I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think we are. As we record this, a week from tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and that always comes as a surprise. It, it, it seems in the distance, and suddenly it's here. It is. It's amazing how many times we say, I can't believe Thanksgiving's a week away. And, and not just my wife and I, but everybody I talk to, or, you know, this time of year, it, it never changes when Thanksgiving is, but we all seem very surprised when it gets this close. It keeps us going. It, yes. It <laughs> well, Jay and I, as usual, are joined by Reverend Kathy McAdams and Rabbi Tom Alpert. And we have a special guest with us this morning, Reverend Jacob Younger. And they will be leading us in our discussion um, through the lens of faith. And starting off this morning, I would uh, ask Rabbi Tom to uh, give us a little more information on our guest and why uh, Reverend Cherry is not with us this morning. Sure. Uh, So the specific reason Reverend Cherry is not with us this morning is he had uh, a clergy meeting that he was uh, hadn't realized he was going to have and had to bow out at the last minute. But the, the bigger story, which is uh, relates in part to why Reverend Younger is here, Reverend Younger was going to join us anyway for some conversation we're going to have a little later. But uh, uh, Reverend Cherry has uh, announced that he is leaving his pulpit at the uh, First Universalist Society in Franklin. He's uh, doing some rethinking as to what uh, he's specifically he's been called to do uh, uh, within the ministry. And so um, he's going to be leaving fairly soon. And uh, since our show is a minister, a priest, and a rabbi walk into a radio station, (laughs) um, we had to find another minister. And thank goodness we have a wonderful uh, successor to uh, Reverend Cherry, who is Reverend uh, Jacob Yunker, who is the minister at the First Universalist. I'm sorry, same thing of Reverend Cherry, the Franklin United Methodist Church. Uh, and so um, Reverend Yunker will be joining us each week. And Kathy and I, uh, Reverend McAdams and I, have uh, known him for uh, a few years now on the Interfaith Council, uh, where he is an important part of Vice President, a a major part of our uh, community, does some very important things, one of which we'll be talking about later today. He's a great guy, and we're looking forward to having him with us. Uh, That does sound great, Rabbi. We appreciate you sharing that with us. And we uh, welcome you, Reverend Juncker, on your first show with us today. We're looking forward to uh, learning more about what's happening at the United Methodist Church and also uh, your lens to our conversations. Uh, Reverend Kathy, um, good morning and welcome. And how are things going at St. John's Episcopal Church? Good morning, Pandora and Jay and my colleagues. Things are going great at St. John's. We had a very 
successful pumpkin patch during October, and we it, it, we sold a lot more pumpkins than we did last year, and we look forward to doing it again and maybe adding some more activities and things like that. So we'll let you know more about that next year, but please look forward to it. And of course, we are looking forward to Christmas, even though it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Um, already, uh, the kids are getting together to plan the pageant and kind of a good problem to have. We're actually going to have to limit space for those attending the, the pageant. Um, I looked back two years ago and we had 175 people attend that service and we can't accommodate that many in, in our church building with um, social distancing. So uh, we're actually going to have people sign up for the pageant. But I guess that's a good problem to have. We'll also have a 9 p.m. service for Christmas. So there's plenty of opportunity for people to attend the service. And, of course, the, the big news this week is that the uh, Interfaith Thanksgiving service is this coming Sunday, the 21st. And hopefully this will air before that. If not, then we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's going to be at St. Mary's, 7 o'clock Sunday evening. And um, the Reverend Dr. Marlena Schmidt will be uh, preaching. She is the interim pastor at uh, Franklin Federated. And our collection that evening goes to Gilly's House, which is Addiction Support Center in Rentham. I'm glad that you shared about the Interfaith Thanksgiving service. It's a wonderful opportunity for our community to come together. It will speak to one of our topics for later on this morning, which is love. But uh, Thanksgiving brings people together. It's an opportunity for love, for faith, for sharing, and the support of Gilly's House. It just brings so many uh, options together. Thank you for reminding us about it. Rabbi Tom, do you want to bring us up to date with what's happening at the temple? I do. So, you know, you mentioned that it's starting to feel like fall moving into winter. I, as I was going outside and noticing the... Uh, you know, we had to put our trash barrels out last night, and I'm noticing, well, the frost is on the trash barrel, so clearly it is uh, getting to be winter. But in terms of the temple, as uh, Reverend McAdams said, as Kathy noted, the, uh, we're, we're, it's, you know, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas is right around the corner. Well, Hanukkah is even more right around the corner. It starts on uh, the Sunday night after Thanksgiving. And so we're very much getting ready for Hanukkah at the temple. We have several uh, events planned uh, that Sunday night, we're providing a program from the uh, larger reform movement, the Union for Reform Judaism, a wonderful recorded uh, program that people can uh, get and sign into. We are having, let's see, several things. Um, we're having uh, our uh, Hanukkah service, our Friday night Hanukkah service. We light our very large menorah outside. Uh, we're hoping that will be an in-person service. We're getting ready to move in person, and so I think that'll be ready to go. Then on Saturday uh, night over at Beaver Pond, uh, we are having uh, Havdalah, that's the ceremony that marks the end of the Shabbat of the Sabbath and move into the week, and then lighting a, a menorah outside. But also uh, we're having people place individual uh, lamps on little uh, uh, boats and send them out into the pond, uh, all biodegradable, all safe. Uh, we did this last year. It was a great hit. And we're looking forward to doing it again, our, our, uh, our Hanukkah lights. And then on uh, that following Sunday night for the eighth night of Hanukkah, November, December rather, 5th, 
at 5.30, uh, I'm going to do a program together, an online program with uh, Rabbi Mimi Mickner from the uh, from Temple Beth Torah in Holliston on uh, uh, some of the spiritual meanings of Hanukkah, uh, some really interesting texts that we're studying. So uh, we have a lot planned, and it's going to be very exciting and a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that, uh, hoping that it brings light to our community and to the entire community. It sounds wonderful. I remember last year when you first told us about the floating of the the candle lamps on the pond, on Beaver Pond, and because we were all struggling with how do we come together at these uh, special moments throughout the year when we're trying to be socially distanced. None of us were vaccinated, or most of us were not vaccinated a, a year ago, and how to do it. So it it's nice to see that you're actually repeating that, that kind of, it reinforces life, that there are some positive things that come out that might become new traditions from the pandemic where we, we gather in a different way. And it's also nice to know that those uh, little lamps are and uh, that float are biodegradable. I- <laughs> I thought that was a real. We, we also we also have our temple president go out uh, in a swimsuit and a kayak to pick them up just to be safe. Oh. <laughs> you really do your due diligence there. We do. I'm very impressed that he does that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, uh, Rabbi Tom, uh, Reverend Jacob. Uh, after all that is going on, in, you know, at, at St. John's and and uh, floating lights at the at the temple, you've got. We are now excited to hear about what's happening at the United Methodist Church. So, if you could share a few words. Sure. Well, I first just want to say it's a pleasure to be here with all of you and uh, to participate today and moving forward into the future. Uh, we have we are wrapping up this fall our annual stewardship campaign, which is in and of itself, not terribly exciting, other than the fact that we as a congregation are celebrating the 150th anniversary of the restart of the Franklin United Methodist Church. So Methodism first began in the town of Franklin in 1853, and it fizzled out just after a few years. But in 1871, a new group was started and a, a pastor was appointed. And so we are we are marking that 150th anniversary this year as part of our uh, commitment and stewardship campaign, mostly because that's a, a huge number. Most people don't realize we've been here that long, but it is of huge historical importance because when they first started meeting, they met in the town hall, which is right next to our current facility. And next year, we will celebrate the 150th anniversary of the laying of the cornerstone of the building we currently worship in. So there are uh, a number of important anniversaries coming up, and this 150th anniversary of the regathering of the Franklin Methodists, um, which really birthed the church as we know it today, is important. Uh, As we move into the holidays, uh, we'll be starting the Advent season on the Sunday following Thanksgiving, uh, which is the four weeks of preparation leading up to Christmas. And uh, I'll be starting a new a sermon series entitled uh, Come Home for Christmas. So folks are uh, encouraged and welcome to attend. We worship every Sunday morning at, at 10 o'clock. Well, thank you very much. Uh, there is, is a lot going on everywhere, and I'm glad you gave us some of the historical background on uh, 
the actual building and the church's presence in the town of Franklin. I think I remember that the town hall was built in 1842. And when you look at some of the old Sanborn maps from, I, I want to think it's like the late 1800s, you do see the Methodist church, um, you know, as part of the the roadway there, the um, West Central Street. And um, I didn't know that there had been that brief period uh, where it had started and then took a break and then started up again in 1871. So that's that's good knowledge. And it's nice for all of us in Franklin to know. I mean, the 150th anniversary, that's a lot to celebrate. Uh, It is. And it's something to be incredibly proud of. To the best of my knowledge, we are not the oldest congregation in Franklin by any stretch but we are the oldest that's never moved or never merged. Uh, And so that is a contiguous history for us um, in the town of Franklin, which is an important milestone to, to celebrate. Yes, it is. And uh, I did not know that distinction. I had just only knew the location seeing it as I've done research uh, on Franklin and, and noticed that location all those years. So I I thank you for uh, giving us a little more information about it. Jay, did you uh, have any questions before we start the next part? Thanks, Pandora. Uh, I I just find it very interesting. And I think we're just honored to have Reverend Jacob uh, to get a different perspective, listening to a different voice. Uh, you know, we've been fortunate to have three people with us since our uh, beginning uh, in Reverend Kathy, Reverend Tom and uh, Rabbi Tom and Reverend Eric. But it's never a bad thing to change things up. Uh, it, it opens stuff up. It, it probably will get us thinking in different ways that maybe we haven't looked at different issues uh going forward. So Reverend Jacob, I think all of us welcome you. We obviously are going to miss Reverend Eric, but completely understand uh, what's going on with him and, and we fully support him. But we're, we're so fortunate to have uh, Reverend Jacob join us. So thank you very much, first of all, for taking the time to be with us. And thank you to Reverend Kathy and Rabbi Tom for kind of putting this together uh, in recruiting Reverend Jacob into something he's not sure what he's going to get with all of us. I agree with Jay that um, it is nice to have different voices, and we've had a consistent voice for the past um, over a year and a half, and now a new voice coming in. It uh, broadens the platform of the conversation, and it keeps us moving forward. And yes, thank you very much to Reverend uh, Kathy and to Rabbi Tom for keeping us moving forward without even missing a beat. And it is hard to lose one voice, but there is also happiness in in greeting a new voice. And um, we're, we're looking forward to it. So thank you, Reverend Jacob, for joining us. And Pandora, I think we're so fortunate to have Reverend Kathy and Rabbi Tom to be so invested in what we try to do on a monthly basis, the information we try to get out there, the the issues and events that we talk about, 
that they did, you know, at least me, I had nothing to do with uh, a recruiting Reverend uh, Jacob, anything. I, I first found out about it a couple of days ago, which is great that they're so busy with their their uh, congregations, their, their quote unquote real life, but they took the time to keep this show going forward. And it, I, I think I speak for everybody, Pandora, Keith Palmieri and myself, we are so thankful that you folks took the time and the interest in moving this forward. I think that just speaks to the importance of what we try to do on a monthly basis. And I used way too many big words in that. So uh, Reverend Jacob, you'll learn I don't use a lot of them because I can't say them. So, uh, but I, I did, you know, in our preparation for the show, you know, we talked to the clergy and we have discussed this, uh, Pandora and I, in the past. One of the big issues that's going on, we feel right now in the community, and not just Franklin as an individual town, but I, I think it's going on kind of nationwide, is there are a lot of issues going on in terms of people living their own lives. And, and I think the, the big thing we wanted to kind of address through the lens of our rabbi and our reverence here that what happened at the Franklin School Committee uh, a while back, I, I would have to think pretty much everybody uh, has heard about it. it. It is something that I watched. It was, in my mind, at least to me, it was extremely disturbing. But just for a quick background, a young lady was speaking, speaking about uh, her, her life at school and her personal life and uh, how her choice of her sexuality, not her choice, but what her being a, a member of the gay community, how it had resulted in a lot of bullying. Well, the most disturbing thing was while she was talking about the bullying at school, she got bullied by someone in the crowd uh, who was at the school committee who began to yell at her and they actually, something I've never seen, Pandora, you've probably seen it. They stopped the town at the school committee meeting um, and removed that individual, let the young lady from the high school compose herself. Uh, I, I, Pandora and I both know uh, Dr. Ann Bergen very well uh, to see how upset and flustered she was over the whole thing was just, so sad. So we'd like to kind of talk. I know, uh, Reverend Jacob, you folks on the Interfaith Council kind of responded to that. You put together a letter. Can you, can you folks, the three of you, kind of take us through what you folks, how you've kind of addressed this going forward? So after the, uh, the meeting, I believe it was on October, the meeting date was October 26th, the specific school committee meeting you are referring to. I sent an email to my interfaith colleagues. Uh, and just to be fair, I think on the interfaith council and for anyone who's been paying attention at town council meetings and school committee meetings, you'll note that there has been a pretty consistent reporting of hate-filled events being reported in 
in those in those meetings. So the October 26th school committee meeting was kind of the the pinnacle. And so I reached out to our, my interfaith colleagues and just said, hey, you know, we are all more than aware of what's going in, on in our community. And I think we have a responsibility to robbing some words from the Apostle Paul. We have a responsibility to show the community a, quote, more excellent way. And over the course of the next couple of days, we refined a statement together, uh, which we entitled a call to our community, uh, Love Franklin. And very quickly, uh, using social media, we solicited people to add their names to the statement. And we received an overwhelmingly positive uh, response from folks. Uh, in total, I believe, I, I haven't checked it. We closed it and then reopened it. Um, I haven't checked where we're at as of today, but I think there's something like 375 or so individuals and organizations who have uh, added their name to the to the to the statement showing showing their support. Twelve of those are from interfaith leaders in the town of Franklin and clergy. I, I'm happy to read the statement. The statement. Um, we are appalled by the recent lack of respect and civility shown to a Franklin High School senior and student representative to the, to the Franklin School Committee, who spoke with courage at the October 26, 2021 school committee meeting about the discrimination she and her friends experience on a regular basis. The interruption and attempt to silence this student by speaking over her cannot and should not be tolerated. Over the last several months, we've become acutely aware of an increase in hate-filled rhetoric and vandalism in our community. Hate speech and vandalism against members of the LGBTQIA community, racial slurs, and anti-Semitic graffiti cannot and should not be tolerated. We cannot allow ourselves to become numb to hate-filled language and actions, no matter how frequently they may occur in our community or elsewhere. We must speak out and act against hate to build a better community. Each of our faith traditions calls us to love, to value the sacred worth of everyone, treating each person with dignity and respect. To be very specific, let us love Franklin. We resolve to create a beloved community where all persons, regardless of their gender identity, sexual orientation, race, ethnic background, age, stature, ability, creed, or faith can find a home. Therefore, we commit ourselves to love Franklin, and we ask you to commit yourself to love Franklin, too. Uh, and as I mentioned, we solicited names with very little effort has gone throughout the community, which has been amazing to just witness uh, and see. Reverend, Reverend Jacob, if I could, just to maybe you could tell our listeners or maybe our hosts who aren't sure how to do it, how can someone go about adding their name to this statement? I thought it was just listening to you read it is just so spot on uh, with everything that's going on these days. So we have primarily solicited signatures uh, using social media and Facebook. And so you can go to, or persons listening can go to the Interfaith Council's Facebook page. Uh, and if you uh, do Franklin MA Interfaith Council in the search, you should be able to find us relatively easy. Uh, I would also say we solicited, I believe most of the Interfaith Council congregations uh, encouraged 
uh, their communities to sign as well. And so I would encourage if you if you don't have social media and you'd like to add your name, I think any house of worship in the town of Franklin that's a member of the Interfaith Council would be willing to add your name if you just called or notified them in some way that you would like your name your name added. That's awesome. As you were speaking, I was able, and if I'm able to do it, pretty much anyone can, uh, was able to pull the statement up, which is great. And, and uh, certainly something that's well worth the couple of minutes it will take an individual to uh, track it down. So thank you, though. For explaining that, uh, especially to someone like me, who's a little slow finding things, I think the the actual uh, incident that we that we reference here has been talked about everywhere and anywhere since it happened. As we may know or may not know, it actually made the national news. It was on uh, some of the national broadcasts. Uh, I, I know my brother who lives in Seattle, saw it on the news out there. How do the three of you uh, in leading your congregations maybe use a situation like this or in the broader scope, deal with love and people, you know, I go back, I always go back to doing the right thing, treating people the right way. How, in, how is this incident impacted uh, on some of the things you may be doing. We might as well start with our new person here, uh, Reverend Jacob. Why don't you take us a little bit through that? And this has been a day off for Rev, Reverend Kathy and Rabbi Tom so far. <laughs> so I think there's, uh, when addressing community concerns, broader community concerns within my community of faith, I think there, just to be completely transparent and real, there is a fine line that has to be walked, right? Because as a religious leader, there are, we want to hold ourselves, I want to hold myself to a higher moral standard, but I also don't want to be perceived necessarily as politically motivated in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and so I just want to acknowledge that kind of coming out of the chute and answering your question, mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it is a, can be at times a very hard line to walk. With this particular issue, it was not that difficult because there wasn't political motivation explicitly in the incident itself. One could infer it, but it's not explicitly there. Uh, and so it wasn't hard at all to then raise it from the pulpit. And for me, the way I typically raise these community concerns is um, in two places. First, in any small groups that are meeting, Bible studies, just so that the com my community members are aware, but then also address it from the pulpit and say, well, what does what does our tradition, how does our tradition bring light into this situation? Uh, how does it bring some some guidance in how we can navigate through through what's going on in the broader community? And for myself in this situation, it was pretty easy. We were already going through a, a series which was talking about uh, some of the foundational marks of Methodism and the very last mark that we had already on the calendar months ago in planning was uh, entitled Love Others. And so I was able to lift this incident as an opportunity for us to reflect of what's the, how do we, how do we love our neighbors and what's the loving response in, in this situation? Uh, and so so for me, in, in raising the issue in my community, I mean, those would be the two primary means in which I, I would go about doing that. And so on, 
on Sunday, November 7th, had to look at the date. Um, no, November 7th, I, I preached on this particular incident and offered my community some guidance and, and essentially telling them that, that love is the cornerstone of, of the Christian faith and should be our primary disposition in the community and in the world. Uh, and, uh, I didn't get any hate mail, hate mail afterwards from them. So I think it was received pretty well. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. Thank you, uh, Reverend Jacob. Reverend Kathy, it's same kind of question to you. Uh, I think response, how you folks are dealing. And I think Reverend Jacob was so correct that this, is, this goes beyond any, any political issue or anything like that. Uh, so, Reverend Kathy, just your thoughts and, and direction on, on what you've been uh, kind of working towards since this incident that we discussed. Well, I was so happy that, that Jacob uh, encouraged the Interfaith Council to uh, draft this statement and to bring it to the community because um, it does seem to me that the way to counter hate is with love. I guess I'd just like to read a piece of scripture. Uh, this is from the first letter of John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And that refers to um, Jesus basically summing up all the Jewish laws into two laws, love God and love neighbor. So, you know, we, we hear throughout scripture, throughout our tradition, uh, that love casts out fear, that, uh, that love is triumphant, love is victorious. And so I just feel like that is the way that we counter the hate speech and the graffiti and all of the things that are going on in our community is to continue to love, even in the face of danger and hate and fear, that we continue to love those who hate us. And that is that is the ultimate uh, the ultimate challenge, I think. I think that's so well uh, said, uh, Reverend Kathy, and thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, it. Rabbi Tom, how about uh, you, the folks at the temple, how you've decided to take this incident? And what we're all trying to do, I think, is eventually make a positive out of it. So several things. Let me start uh, by saying I, Jacob was uh, somewhat modest about his role in this 
in that uh, the, the note he sent out actually included a, a variant of the text that he read. That is to say, he had sat down in the heat of the moment, had composed a really remarkable statement. First I'd heard of any of this, I wasn't following this, uh, this meeting. Uh, I went and watched the, uh, the recording as so many have and was shaken yeah. that this kind of thing would be happening. Um, I, I want to continue to have that capacity to be shaken at, at, at events like this. So it was a remarkable statement. And I, I also want to point out that the signatures on it within the clergy community, within the interfaith community rather, reflect a pretty wide segment of uh, this community. You know, not everyone on that group agrees politically. There are people who are conservative and there are people who are liberal. They don't agree theologically in various places. And yet, from across the spectrum, there was support that this is indeed, there's some baselines about how people are supposed to be treated. And uh, I spoke about this, uh, that following Friday night from uh, the pulpit and, and expressed, and I think it was our community's sense, because we all, saw, the community signed on to this letter, uh, as well as individuals, expressed our sense that this, um, th that, uh, yeah, how you treat others is is central. And so uh, let me do a little bit of text as well. Text that is in the Torah and that all our traditions share is love your neighbor as yourself. And um, in Judaism, there are uh, supposed to be 613 commandments in the Torah and the rabbis had a conversation about which was the most important. And one of the suggestions by Rabbi Akiva was this one. And, but it isn't just a question of love, it's a question of enacting love. How do you live it in the world? And um, so that leads to the story that's told in the Talmud that uh, a Roman soldier came to see Rabbi Hillel. This was when uh, Palestine, land of Israel, was occupied by Rome, was, which was not a particularly pleasant occupying power. It was a very, you know, the, the, the relationships were difficult. So this Roman soldier comes to see him and probably is taunting him and says, I want you to teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. And Hillel responded and he actually answered. And he said, what is hateful to you, do not do to any other person. That is the whole Torah. All the rest is commentary. Now go and learn it. And if that concept sounds familiar, it is effectively just another phrasing of what Jesus, who lived around the same time as Hillel taught, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that is how you enact love your neighbor as yourself, how you live it. Um, you, and so I can't imagine any of us would want as a teenager to be standing up sharing something important about ourselves and be heckled by an adult. I, I just can't imagine that that would be the case. I can't imagine we're a community that would approve of that. And so it's important that we allow a space for everyone. You know, we can, we can debate where we go. We can debate the details of love. And I know that uh, Reverend Jacob is hoping that we will share conversations among ourselves as to what this really means. But I want to share this from our tradition. I just wanted to add, because we, uh, Rabbi, I think Rabbi Tom is, um, is, in, is spot on in talking about enacting love. 
uh, we had a really, what I thought was a very fascinating interchange when we were refining the statement. Uh, there were some on the Interfaith Council who asked that instead of using the word love, we use the re word respect or the word civility. And there was, I, I pushed back on that for the sheer fact that civility and respect are important, but they're not necessarily relational. So I have respect for um, certain persons in authority. Let's just say as a, just a kind of crazy scenario, I have respect for um, Governor Charlie Baker. I don't know, I, I live in the state of Massachusetts, but I've never met the governor, right? Like there's no relationship, there's no real relationship there. I have respect for the Pope. I've never met the Pope. It'd be cool too, but I've never met the Pope. And so respect, I don't think respect is good enough in this situation. That is, if we're a community, we need to work on the relational aspects of who we are and not just settle for respect, which can allow us to be apart and allow that distance from one another. And think the real goal of using the word love, and this is where we can have a fuller conversation, is to say what love does is brings us together and, and denotes some sort of a relationship. Uh, it does not mean that we agree on everything or always see eye to eye, but we are brought together in our shared concern and desire for good of the other. We're, we're brought together. It's relation. Love is relate at its root relational. And and I would add to that that um, if we're talking about there are a number of. Greek words for love, but if we talk about agape, we're talking about the kind of sacrificial, self-sacrificial love um, that that Jesus was teaching about. That, uh, as Jacob just said, you you want the good for other people. You want what's best for the community. Um, you're you're not thinking about what do I want, what's good for me, but what's good for us and and maybe willing to sacrifice something that's good for me so that it can be good for us. And I'd also add that one of the great Jewish philosophers of the 20th century, Martin Buber, taught that it is in relationship that we find God. It is when we are really connecting with other people. And again, as, as Reverend Jacobs said, not necessarily agreeing, but connecting being able to talk to each other, being able to listen to and understand each other and not trying to push ourselves, but just really listening and learning and sharing. That's, that's perhaps the, one of the holiest acts that any of us can do. It's really so informative to listen to the words that each one of you are sharing with us this morning, because I think we have all in our private lives discussed the event and discuss some of the other events that have happened in our community. I really liked the question, how do you live love in the world? How are we enacting love in our daily lives? The relationship lens to be used with love. It really makes us think and using what this show gives to the community, the lens of faith, we're able to look at how we are 
how these situations happen in our community and what we as individuals can do and, and must do as, as, as we live love in our lives. And I, I think you're showing us through each one of your um, congregations, through your preaching, as you've shared different passages, that this can happen and that it does happen. And that's how we, we learn and go forward because we have seen some events that don't speak to living love in our lives. And that's not what we look for in a community. What did you think as you were listening? I, 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 Pandora, you said it uh, so eloquently. Another big word. So, uh, Keith, if you could make a note uh, of that, I appreciate it. But I, I just to listen and, and to get Pandora your feedback and your thoughts and and our three clergy members. Um, it. it you know, it almost crystallizes, I think, what some of us maybe have been thinking and maybe couldn't put into words, didn't, you know, maybe had a challenge of of how to say it or how, how to deal with it uh, properly. Because you there's, again, you know, listening to Rabbi Tom, I was in a similar boat with him. I did not know that this happened till about five or six days later. Someone I happened to be driving back from the airport brought it up because they heard about it in California while they were on vacation. So I then did a little bit of research and, and looked into it. And I was just I, shaken when Rabbi Tom said that. That couldn't have explained it any better. And I am not a, a political person, anything like that. So to hear, and because that's because I used to enjoy it. Now it's all about arguing with people. It's all about, and individuals with a lot of people, their way is right, your way is wrong. And people share it. As evident at the school committee, they share it in the wrong way. I, I just, I think these three have done, obviously, a much better job than me in talking and explaining about it but i think they've echoed what a lot of us feel and just maybe haven't been able to put into words i think you gave us a pathway i think you gave us a lens that we can use as we begin to as we are out in the world as we are in different situations to use this this lens of 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 love to think about what is being said, what is happening, uh, what actions are taking place, and how does that fit within this concept of love of community, love of, of one another? Yeah, I think that's, that's so well said. And, you know, I would ask any one of the three of you, if, if you know, how, how do you put this civility, this action of love into practice, uh, not just yourselves, but as leaders of your congregation, as leaders of the Interfaith Council, and leaders in our community. It, 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 I would love to hear your approaches or, or how, how you're attempting, and it may be, you know, that approach may change on a daily basis, because everything does, but I'd just be curious. Reverend Kathy? Kathy. I, 
what I try to do, and not that I am perfect at this, but I am every day trying to see people through God's eyes, to see each person as a child of God and to see who God created them to be. And in my tradition, that also means treating them as I would treat Christ. And so that involves civility, that involves compassion, trying to understand what it is that they may be going through at that moment that would cause them to behave in a way that seems so hateful. Um, Trying to understand why they believe the things they believe. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't mean that I have to believe those things, but uh, just, just trying to have some understanding. And then, as I said before, um, responding to hate, responding to fear with love, just continuing to love that person as I know God loves them. Hard thing to do. But it's a, it is a hard thing to do, Reverend Kathy, but I think it's, I don't want to say an admirable, admirable, I don't want to say it's a good goal to have. It is because it should be more than just a goal. Uh, I, I think people should, in my opinion, try to act that way, look at things that way uh, on a daily basis. And let's hope a lot of people do enough to uh, achieve that on a daily basis. Uh, either of the uh, rabbi or Reverend Jacob? I think um, I would echo a lot of what um, Reverend Kathy had to say. Would add that uh, kind of two additional things. First, I think uh, and this is advocating for the role of faith in any community, but I think faith communities are one of the few places left societally where diverse populations come together and form community. As as a as a culture, we don't have many of those places we can go where we can interact with a diverse group of people who think differently from us. Um, you used to be able to get that and at say by going to, I don't know, a local bar or a fraternal organization. But as those, as society has changed and we've in many ways become more isolated and uh, entrenched in our echo chambers, communities of faith are one of the last places we can go to be confronted with that diversity of, of thought. And I think that's a good thing. So how do we then hold that community together is really important. And I think for me, and I am not, I will say the same thing Reverend Kathy said, I'm not always great at this, but I try to be mindful of it, is to just listen. Um, and sometimes there's no need for a response. Sometimes people just need to be heard. And that can be challenging in and of itself if I don't agree with the person's viewpoint, but just being in the same space with that other viewpoint and that other person is just as important as me, any words I might say, right? So just holding that space to hear, to hear is vitally important, I think, as we talk about how do you hold a community together in love? I think it, it starts with just listening and at the end of the day, that's what's so offensive, both offensive and heartbreaking about the situation that happened on October 26th, because listening didn't happen there. Someone tried to silence someone else. Uh, and, and that is simply wrong and, un and unacceptable. So I want to take it a little from my perspective as a, as a Jew, you know, we have been 
we've dealt for centuries with anti-Semitism, with people who just hate us because of who we are. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend that there aren't bad actors who need to be stopped because they're dangerous, and they are. But the, the part where the work comes in is fine. So we will have to stop them. We have to fight against that, have to fight against those ideas. But each individual is still a person. They're still, as the, the Jewish tradition created with Selim Elohim in the image of God, doesn't matter who you are. And uh, it's a, a remarkable story that was uh, written by a reporter, brought out by a reporter in the Washington Post a few years ago about a fellow who'd grown up in a, um, uh, you know, a viciously white supremacist uh, anti-Semitic group and was eventually, as a young man, and, and, and was groomed to be the leader of this, this group and was uh, eventually went away from this in part because he was treated with understanding and kindness uh, by, first of all, by a Jewish person in this community where everyone else turned aside from him and just able to talk to someone. And so I think that we have to find the spark of humanity in everyone. And we have to, to be prepared to fight bad ideas, but try to find a place for humanity in individuals, in all people. And as uh, both of my colleagues says, that's really hard work. And I fail at it far more often than I succeed, but it's important work and, I, and it's something I aspire to. I think that's uh, uh, go ahead, Pandora. I've, I've uh, dominated way too much today. No, I, I, I'm probably going to say what you were going to say. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I just, I thank you all for these last words because uh, they really help again put into practice what it is that we've been talking about. As Reverend Kathy said, to see people through God's eyes. And that we respond to hate and to fear, and our response should be love. It takes a lot of strength. It takes practice. It it it's it's hard to do. And um, Reverend Jacob talked about listening, being in that space. Again, it's another it's another pathway for us learning from these um, experiences. And Rabbi Tom, to find the spark of humanity in everyone that there are some horrible things that happen and things that shouldn't take place and, and words that are said and actions that are taken. But we, following these footsteps, it gives us a, a response, a, a pathway, an, an option that is informed by faith. And uh, I think that that is what this show always brings, another, another lens that you don't get, but that is so needed. and. And Jay, what were you thinking when that was when they were sharing that? I, I was thinking, and it, it the same thing that very similar Pandora. That first of all, I, I, and this is probably a little selfish of me, but I was thinking, what a great forum we have to address these things in a different light. And I come out of every. Believe it or not, my college professors would never believe this, but I feel like I learned something and I'm better for the time we spend together talking about these issues. I, for me personally, 
I think in ways I may not have been thinking since this incident happened or any of the topics we talk about. It, it I, I think it helps all of us to have these kind of discussions and to have them in a forum where we actually had a discussion. We're not, no one's judging anybody, no one's yelling at anybody, no one's saying it's my way or the highway. We just talked about stuff. We talked about, you know, everyone's different opinion on how things, the right way to do things, the civil way, how how love can just make things better. And and I'll stop rambling on, Pandora, but I think we're so fortunate to be able to have this forum. Uh it, it at least for myself, I'm fortunate to be a part of it. I, I'm not sure what our listeners will think, agree, disagree, but man, I, I just feel the benefits each time we get together and, and deal with really, really important topics in a civil way that I, I don't see anywhere. And that's why I've, I've stopped watching any of it. So, and that's I, enough of that ramble. <laughs> well, I think, um, we need to kind of bring this to a sense of closure. One of the ways might be if Reverend Jacob read his poem to us. Um, in preparation for this, Rabbi Tom sent us some different materials, and it included a uh, sermon by uh, sharing teaching by uh, Rabbi Tom, also a teaching by Reverend Jacob. And part of, at the very beginning of Reverend Jacob's teaching was a poem. And I think that it might bring a sense of closure to today's discussion and bring us to an even platform. Would you feel comfortable in reading that poem for us, Reverend Jacob? Absolutely. So before I read it, I'll just say the poem is really meant to answer the question, what is love? And it looks to the Christian and Hebrew scriptures for an answer to to that question. The poem reads, love is alpha and omega. It was first and will be the last. It was in the beginning and will outlast everything. Love creates, it sweeps across the dark waters and brings forth life. Love delivers us from the things that enslaves us and leads us through the desert to the promised land. It maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leadeth me beside the still waters and restoreth my soul. Love casts out fear. It does not perpetuate it. It brings light to dark places. Love heals. It gives sight to the blind and bids the lame to walk. Love does not force itself on the object of its its affection. It makes room for a choice. It allows itself to be denied and is always ready to be accepted. Love does not discriminate. It knows no wrong. It deems no one unworthy it is generous and merciful. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It does not brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It does not keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It does not run away scared. It does not abandon. Love, true and godly, is eternally faithful. Love comforts, transforms, and inspires. It calls us beyond ourselves, and it challenges us all the same. Be complete in showing love to everyone. 
it was meant to be shared, spread throughout the world, till love is all there is. And then as sort of, I mean, a, I wouldn't be a religious leader without offering some sort of benediction of some sort or some sort of, of a dismissal. I unofficially would just close that poem by saying, you know, I hope all of us uh, and our entire community will learn to bear with and love one another because this is what we're called to be. We are called to love. And in particular, we're called to love Franklin. That's that's awesome. Thank you for all of us um, for making the time to join us. And, and I think we all look forward to hearing and learning from you in the future. But um, we are going to miss Reverend Eric. Uh, Reverend Eric has been such a huge, huge part of this show, a proponent of it from the beginning. Uh, I, I picture you know, my first picture of him in my mind when I think of him is signing on and um, getting, seeing his smiling face and a, and a little laugh here or there on everything. Uh, I know I personally will miss it. Uh, I'm sure we we will, uh, on occasion, I would hope uh, Reverend Eric would be more than willing to spend some time with us just to, from his perspective, because it's such a great perspective. Uh, so he will be missed, but he'll always be thought of because he is such a huge, huge part of what we've been doing for over a year now. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Yes, we will miss Reverend Eric Cherry. I appreciate his leadership. I appreciate his professionalism as he helped us to come together as a as a group, and uh, I appreciate his spiritual lens, um, his lens of faith that he always shared with us in these discussions. It was it was wonderful. And with that, I think I would like to uh, thank um, Reverend Kathy McAdams, um, Rabbi Tom Alpert, and Reverend Jacob Younger, and. Keith Palmieri, our technician from Franklin TV and Radio, and as always, Jay Horrigan uh, and I both thank you for, for talking, for listening, for sharing. And everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.